This project is supported by a charitable donation from Pfizer Limited. Hello, I'm Victoria Derbyshire. I was 46 years old and getting on with my happy life. I didn't feel as though I had a care in the world. And then came breast cancer. This podcast, brought to you by the Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity, is for those of you who've experienced a moment like that and everyone in your life that's affected too. Your family, your friends, your work colleagues, the people who are caring for you, who hold you close, the people you lean on. It's a podcast for that moment and for what happens next. This episode is called Breast Cancer and My Head. And we're talking about how a cancer diagnosis can affect your mental health. And I have three women here who are going to talk about their own experiences. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Hi. Hello. Now, please do introduce yourselves. Hello, everyone. My name's Chevelle. Um, I'm 30 years of age now. I was diagnosed with breast cancer, triple negative breast cancer, in the summer of 2019. Um, what can I say? It came as a complete shock. Um, you know, happy, energetic, was in the gym four times a week, lifting weights, boxing, and then breast cancer happened. And at the moment, I'm on my road to recovery. Can I ask you what triple negative means, Chevelle? Because I'm aware that there's a kind of language we use when we talk about breast cancer. And I want to, for people who want to learn more, let's explain those kind of terms. So triple negative breast cancer is breast cancer that has no receptor. So there's no hormone causing it to grow, no protein, nothing. We're not quite sure at the moment what it is that causes this type of cancer to occur or even to grow. So, um, yeah, but it's, it's quite common in, in younger women, they say. Thank you, Chevelle. Hiya, um, I'm Carly and I am 39. I was diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer as well, actually, um, in December 2019, the day before my daughter's fourth birthday. Um, so it was quite, again, it was a shock. Um, not a, I would say it was a shock getting it at that age. My mum had breast cancer. My Her mum had breast cancer before that. So it was in our family, but actually my breast cancer comes from my dad's side because I have the BRCA1 gene. Um, and my older sister, who is my half-sister on my dad's side, was undergoing treatment at the time of my diagnosis for ovarian cancer. So we had just discovered the gene at that time. Um, but I've got two little kids. I run a business with my husband called Keep Them Quiet. And for the past 15 months, I've been having treatment and to get rid of cancer from my breast. <laughs> and the BRCA1 gene means an inherited gene, as you described. It came from your father's side. Mm -hmm. It's an abnormal gene, which means that women are more... Um, vulnerable to uh, being diagnosed with either breast cancer or ovarian cancer. Yeah, exactly. So we were five months apart, me and my sister. Wow, were you? Yeah, and it had been lying kind of undetected that whole time otherwise because there just wasn't young cancer in our family. I'll, talk, I'll ask you more about that a, a little later, if I may, the kind of mutual support that potentially you were able to offer each other. Uh, Saskia, hello, do introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Saskia Lightstar. I'm the grandma of the gang. I'm 47. I can't believe I'm that old, but I am. That is young, Saskia. 
I don't look that age, but anyway. Um, I was diagnosed in 2012 at 39 years old uh, with breast cancer. My breast cancer was hormone-based, estrogen-based cancer. Um, I had a single mastectomy and all my lymph nodes removed. Um, I reclaimed my body after my reconstruction by getting heart-shaped tattoo nipples, which I own very proudly and inspire other cancer survivors to go and do the same thing. And I've just written a book to help cancer survivors with life after treatment, which is called The Cancer Misfit. And we are all talking to each other via Zoom. So I am going to ask you later, Saskia, if you would feel comfortable in showing us your heart-shaped tattoos on your nipples. So I'm going to leave that thought with you now. Absolutely. You can think about it. There's seriously no pressure. Do not feel under any obligation. Um, But I'll leave that with you. So I want to ask you all, first of all, before you had breast cancer, give me three words your friends would have used to describe you and then how many of them still apply. Chevelle. (laughs) It's such a you know, that daunting question and you're like, oh, what can I use? But I think they would have most probably said that I was extremely goofy. Um, Goofy? What do you mean? Yeah, I don't act my age at all. Okay. I'm the person that's always laughing inappropriately sometimes. Anything, everything is funny to me. Um, I would say also very, very anxious before cancer extremely anxious so it was almost like I would preempt that something bad was going to happen to me all the time extremely anxious Mm. um and I would also say empathetic I'm always feeling what others are feeling literally I I feel bad for that person oh no can I help that person Mm. so that was definitely me before cancer um I would say that they currently still do apply now Mm. Um, in different contexts, though. Yes. Um, during during my cancer diagnosis, the goofiness probably disappeared quite a bit because I just, I kind of went a bit silent. It was a bit, oh, God, I can't laugh at this stuff anymore or mm. I can't make that joke anymore because I felt like, what if it actually does happen now, um, you know, after my cancer diagnosis? Also, the anxiety is still very much there. It came and went. Um, I would probably say it's back at its all-time high at the moment. Okay, but we'll come back to that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay. Um, And I can tell from your voice and the way you talk, the the empathy is definitely still there, Chevelle. I can feel it. (laughs) What about yourself, Carly? Um, So it's interesting we are talking about the head today because these kind of questions do, again, I really resonate. I get so anxious, like, oh my God, what am I going to say? Um, so they probably might have said an- anxious mm-hmm. as well. Very social. Mm-hmm. I was a bit of a party animal. Um, and I'm probably supportive, I think. Um, similar to, to Chevelle, very um, empathic and you know, there's, we'll, we'll get into it later, but yeah. I've, I've gone, I've been through a lot leading up to my cancer diagnosis, which I think lended me to be kind of someone that's a really good listener and, you know, those kind of things, Sure. which I would say still do all apply. Although the party animal aspect potentially, I don't know, we'll have to work that out. It's, there's been lockdown and yes. I, I, you know, I stopped drinking when I got diagnosed and changed my diet a bit. So 
we'll see how how I come to parties these days. I don't know. Yeah. It will be different, changed. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Saskia, three words that your friends would have used about you and which still apply? Um, okay. Superficial. Really? Definitely. Yeah, very. I was all about the, you know, £600 designer bag or pair of shoes and I thought that was measured my self-worth. So, yeah, superficial, unconventional, and aimless, if that makes sense. It does, but now? Okay. Now, the only one that still applies is unconventional, which is the one I like most of all. <laughs> great, great one. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. The other two, no, I'm, I've got meaning in my life now, and I have purpose in my life now, thanks to breast cancer. Thanks to breast cancer? 100%. Okay. Yeah. Go on. Tell us more. I think, I know that we all assume when we get breast cancer that you go through something like this, that it's worse than hell. But I, I believe that it's in the darkest times when we go through a horrific trauma like breast cancer that we can shed a lot of skin that no longer serves us and we can actually really connect to the truest part of ourselves and actually become a greater version of ourselves as a consequence of the hell that we went through. Okay. Chevelle, would you agree with that or not? I was going to say I completely agree with um, what you've just said because I used to always liken it to the best and the worst time of my life. So yeah, it was exactly. the best because I was discovering so much about myself and all the things that I thought mattered didn't matter anymore. Like what? Like what? Worst. Give me an example. Um, so, for example, um, similar to Saskia, I, I loved my hair. I loved my hair. I loved how I looked. I loved all the things that get sh- that 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 was that were taken from me when I had cancer. Um, also, I I was very quiet before cancer. So, doing something like this, I probably would never have done it. Really, speaking in public, I pr- probably would never have done it. I would mm. always shy away from it. Whereas since having my diagnosis, it really empowered me and it gave me that sense of, you know, I can do something to help other people going through what I'm going through. You know, it's such a lonely and the, the journey is different for everyone, but it's so lonely. So that's why I say it's the best and worst time of my life. OK. And Carly, what about you? Um, I completely agree. I would say that I I love the person I am now after cancer way more than I ever loved the Carly before I had cancer. I But what was wrong with the Carly before? Absolutely nothing, but clearly my my attitude was what was wrong. And I guess that's the whole mental health thing. Mm. I've suffered with eating disorders as a teenager, that kind of self-loathing and never thinking I'm good enough. And I think, yeah, and that and that cancer diagnosis, especially when it comes to my my eating disorder and my my attitude towards my body like I I wouldn't say I'm body confident that that's you know a work in progress but I am so appreciative of my body it has gone through so much it has changed physically so much I don't aspire to have this like perfect body anymore that's changed and the the hair thing as well with Chevelle like I had long blonde hair and it was my identity and it's gone it strips you of everything um I would say at breast cancer and the treatments and it's not necessarily a bad thing because I think it strips you closer to your soul Descri- yeah. just describe your hair now Carly oh my hair now is like you can't do anything with it it's just the fluffiest like 
strange style. It's above your shoulders now and it looks yeah. quite curly, quite wavy on your yeah. head and you've got a, a, a I can't see properly on Zoom. Is oh, yeah. it a clip um, in one side or a... I mean, to a, be honest with you, I'm wearing about a diamond seven, seven clips at Are the you? minute. Yeah. Try and tame. It's growing. Because I cold cap, so I didn't ever lose my hair completely. Mm. Um, but it's coming back. It lost a lot of it. And it's kind of coming back in this very strange, strange style. But I'm embracing it. What can you do? Just to say the cold cap, for those who don't know, is, oh, yeah. is a cap that some women choose to wear when they're going through chemo. It freezes the follicles on the top of your head and can help women um, prevent, it can help prevent hair loss. It doesn't always work, but it certainly can help. Now, let me ask all of you, and Chevelle, I'll start with you. What was the biggest mental challenge for you after your diagnosis? I think after my diagnosis, I mean, we can go to the day that I was diagnosed, the moment, um, it was, oh my gosh, how am I going to tell everyone that I got cancer that's how I saw it. it was I got cancer it was almost as if I believed that I had caught it or something like that and it was telling people that I had this this disease and then having to deal with what it was going to do to my body so it was like there was different stages so it was the losing my hair was a big thing but I think to date the the biggest struggle I would say is probably I had a mastectomy of my right breast which is where I had the cancer and I had immediate reconstruction. I would say that is probably my, yeah, that's probably my most kind of life-changing thing that kind of really gets me. Sometimes I think about it and I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh my goodness, I've got a fake boob. Mm. <laughs> that's and, literally and, and, how. <laughs> and does that does that mess with your head? It does because I feel like this happened all before I was 30. What 30-year-old do I know that's had to go through this? Um, you know, and in a world where Instagram and social media is so rife, I look at people's... I mean, I'm happy with who I am. I'm happy with my body. And I know that I went through this and I'm lucky to be here. But it still doesn't take away the fact that, you know, when I wear certain tops, you know, my cleavage is... I've got cleavage that's lopsided. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, that's probably the hardest challenge at the moment is is dealing with that. Yeah, Carly, I wonder was your mental health or the mental health of those around you something that you were aware of? I mean, you talked yes. about eating disorders when you were younger. I'm, I'm guessing it was something you were aware of. So I have actually um, been in therapy on and off since I was 13. Uh, I've had about nine different therapists. I'm in therapy currently still uh, with a therapist. I'm I was. Um, referred to when I was having radiotherapy and my mental health really took a, a, a knock at that stage. And actually, it's for the first time I'm doing something called compassion-focused therapy, which is a different type of therapy to anything I've ever done before. For me, I was in therapy with a different therapist when I was diagnosed and um, because, my, because of my sister's diagnosis. So when she got diagnosed, I, I kind of that's kind of my approach to therapy and my mental health is it tends to be, I, I can cope, I have quite good tools, but when something in my life happens um, that's intense, then I need that extra support so I'll kind of tap back into it. Um, but over the years and all the different times I've had therapy, it's kind of like layering and building on on the tools needed. And I actually think I was in the best place mentally to 
be diagnosed because I was already in therapy and I and all the life experience kind of got me to that point where I was like, okay, I actually think I'm not going to crumble now. But um, but what happened is that my mum had breast cancer and had died 10 years earlier than my diagnosis. And I'd seen her with her primary diagnosis after the treatment, her mental health took such a hit and she had mental health um you know, issues and things, but it really, really suffered. And so what I was fully aware from the get-go that this can happen, that you can go into warrior mode and you can be all like, I've got this, I'm going to do this, count down those chemos, tick them off, do the big surgery and then have the crash. So I was kind of not preempting it, but aware that... It, you were you managing know, what might come. Ma- yeah, yes, yeah. exactly. Saskia, you had 15 rounds of chemo three months of radiotherapy, a mastectomy. And after cancer, you lost your marriage and your business. What effect did that have on your mental health? Yeah, for me, going through cancer wasn't the tough part. It was afterwards. It was life after cancer because I was just left. I relate to Chevelle a lot. It was like, I was like Samson with Goliath. My hair was my power, my confidence. I was this rock chick. I only wore like corsets, you know, with my great, amazing cleavage. And suddenly I had to go out and only buy baggy clothes, especially before the reconstruction. I covered all the mirrors in my house because I couldn't stand the reflection of myself. Did you? So it was that journey of pure self-hate. And I think... When you haven't got a choice, when when the things that you depend on for your self-worth are taken away from you, it's like you're forced to go within and work out how you can love yourself another way. And I yeah. think that that's what I spent three years in very deep depression. And, and that was that journey of, okay, I'm going to have to try and find a way to love myself without breast, without my cleavage and without my hair. I thought the best version of myself was the person I was before cancer. I was wrong. And I think a lot of women make that mistake. I think women think the best me was me pre-diagnosis, but that's only because we don't give ourselves a chance to get to know ourselves now and stop comparing ourselves. And it's amazing that you faced something like cancer and did all that treatment to survive and be alive. And then your mental health was in that place, which I think is really somewhere that a lot of us will kind of veer to when it, when it is all over, all the treatments. Yeah. Mm. It is the hardest part, I think, for sure. Yeah. I feel like the doctors need to at least warn people that the worst, the cancer journey isn't going to finish just because your treatment has, that now the tsunami of emotions is going to whack you between the eyes mm. and you've got, it's normal that that happens, mm. you know. My, my oncologist called it the black hole, Really? He referred to it, yeah. When I saw him after my treatment had finished, he did say, because I think I was... That's what it felt like. Struggling. Yeah, Yeah, it kind of felt like that, exactly. I I want to say it doesn't always happen. We shouldn't give people the impression that this is an Uh, inevitability. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. For what it's worth, when I got to the end of my treatment, I was, as a lot of people are, completely euphoric. Uh, You know, literally tears, arms in the air, all the rest of it. I mean, right at the end of radiotherapy. And then uh, over the next couple of weeks, 
I did a bit of crying and I thought, what the hell just happened? It was the first, because on the going through treatment, I was focused on getting through each day, being mm. tr- as positive as I could and focus, focus, focus. And, and then when it was over, then you think, what the hell was that? And I thought, I'm, I think I'm probably going to have to go and see a counsellor because I didn't want to keep boring my family and my friends and my partner and all the rest of it. And actually what I did was I started going to the gym and then I found I didn't need to go and see a counsellor. For some reason, trying to strengthen my body a bit helps strengthen my mind. Mm-hmm. So there are different ways. And it did, it works. I mean, it worked. The reason I was going to the gym, by the way, is because bloody tamoxifen was giving me massive joint pains and I needed to find a way of um, managing that. So it, 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 it works in that sense. You're correct that obviously not everyone really struggles with their mental health after. But what it is, is I think everyone has that moment of stillness where the medical appointments stop. It's not as intense. You're suddenly let kind of set free. And I too was, you had that euphoric, I've finished treatment. It's amazing. But you have so much more time to think suddenly and you do, it's just inevitable. You're going to have that. What the hell has just happened? Mm -hmm. Throwing COVID and like homeschooling, you literally, I mean, I still, I think I'm I'm in like, what the hell has just happened? Well, let me ask you. So there might be people listening to this who haven't had cancer and are thinking, come on. I mean, you you know, you, you had treatment to get rid of cancer. You're alive. Why isn't your mental health on a high why aren't you that's on a what high? i i yeah. think we think we think that as well though mm. you know i was i that's the problem is people keep quiet because of the guilt and shame yeah i felt such guilt and shame it's like wait a minute my friends and family revolve their lives around me for nearly two years yeah the doctors the nurses everything was about me i'm better and now i have the audacity to be depressed <laughs> you know <laughs> you know what i mean it's like it's what 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 so true. how dare you how dare you yeah. be depressed and how when dare you, me yeah and there is a lot of pressure because everyone does want it to just be done mm. they're just so like let's close that door come on let's, let's get, get back you know, to our normal life get back to it. yeah that's yeah. why I'm, I'm so hard on myself literally i wake up and i'm like come on you got to get up you got to go running you got to do this and then i'm like oh my elbow hurts my knee hurts and people around me don't understand that they're like but you're okay now you had treatment over a year ago you're good and i'm like no but my joints are so painful but then I I think it's important as well that we need to remember that we've gone through something so traumatic our bodies literally went back to square one you know and we've just got to I I literally take time out and say to myself well done Chevelle you've actually made it through something that was it's a massive achievement it's a massive achievement I wonder let me ask you were there things that you were worried about that in hindsight you needn't have been, that didn't come to pass? Um, I think for me, my biggest worry was when I went through chemotherapy, I think because of what I had seen on TV or what I had known of chemotherapy. So two very close people to me in my life, one of my cousins and my grandmother actually had both had cancer and they sadly passed away but it was after having chemo it, it happened so quickly for them and I think I then had that in my head I didn't know that there were so many people who who's had who have had um chemotherapy and were completely fine afterwards mm-hmm. so and I guess I'm, I'm one of those people so I think that's important as well is that we let people know that you know having chemotherapy doesn't mean 
the end of the world, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. It does. I have always had a massive fear of losing my mind, um, of for I guess for obvious reasons. And I had an intense fear heading into treatment that along the way, something would happen and I would have some sort of breakdown that would mean I would just completely lose who I was and not be able to get that back. And that has, you know, obviously touch wood, mm-hmm. but <laughs> mm-hmm. it hasn't happened. And I think I do have a lot more faith in the strength of my mind. And, you know, I do suffer with mental illness. I do. I, I have anxiety. I, I, I have tendencies to depression but it's not who I am. And actually the therapy I'm having now allows me to really become more curious of these emotions and realize that not attached to them as much. And that's massively helped. And so, yeah, I think my biggest fear, thank God, hasn't hasn't happened. Saskia? The only fear I had was that my hair wasn't going to grow back. <laughs> <laughs> like literally that was my only fear. And I can tell that's everyone fabulous. out, anyone out there that's going through chemo and is bald and doesn't think it will grow back, I promise you, you just have to practice patience, but it does come back. It does. And just describe your hair now, Saskia, because it's gorgeous. Wild and free like me. (laughs) (laughs) And are those natural curls, natural waves? They are. They are. Wow. Yeah. Beautiful. Whether you are back at work, Travelling or planning your wardrobe for a special occasion, take time to express yourself through your clothes. None of us want to be stereotyped. We are all individuals, and the designers at Marina Rinaldi create collections that can help you step away from the everyday to the new you. I want to ask you about the language around mental health issues. Often you will see on a website or read in an article which says so-and-so is battling depression or battling their demons. And the same language can be used for cancer. So-and-so is battling cancer. What do you think of that kind of language? Um, I mean, I can say I think it automatically puts a kind of shame on it. Um, for me, when I think about those type of words, especially to do with, you know, mental health, um, similar to Sienna, like growing up, I, I've had counselling for multiple of different issues and I always kept it secret because I didn't like the word depression. I didn't like the word anxiety. I didn't, I don't like, I didn't like those phrases. I wasn't able to understand what I was going through and using the terms like battling cancer and things like that everybody's journey is really different within this process and I can say I'm someone who I I was lucky I actually handled the process quite well and and using the term battling it kind of just puts that oh I feel sorry for you or I feel this or I feel that and I mean that's great but when I'm going through it I don't want you to kind of sit there saying oh I feel really bad for you. You don't want pity. I I don't want pity at all. When I was going through it, I didn't want the pity because I didn't feel like that pity, Mm. you know, after chemotherapy. I was, was, don't get me wrong, I had my days where I may have felt a bit weak, but I was pretty good throughout, throughout it. So, yeah. I also think the word battling, it really has like that, that connotation of it's you against that thing. And I don't know if, if you all felt the same, but for me, I 
I didn't want to be like, I hate, I hate cancer. I hate cancer. Cancer took my mum from me. Cancer meant I never met my grandma. And now I've got cancer and my sister, you know, all of this. Mm. For me, it was never like that. I don't think I've ever said I hate cancer because actually it's part of just how my life was meant to pan out. And again, like I said, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be who I am now if not for, for having it. So to battle it doesn't feel right. Like I just had it within me and I've, I've had, I've had treatment and things to remove it from Mm. my life, but definitely never felt for me like a battle. And I think the mental health thing as well, it's just not, it it feels too angry against what lives within me. Can I say, I, I don't, I, I actually feel the opposite. Yeah. So for me, I felt I feel like when you what go going having cancer treatment is like going to war. It's a battle. And I feel like when you finish treatment, you are pretty much it's very similar to a soldier coming back from a war. You know, they don't come back from serving time, you know, in in Iraq or Afghanistan or wherever it is, and everyone expects them to have a spring in their step and go, whoopee, let's go out and have fun. No, because they're shell-shocked and they're traumatized by what they've been through. And I feel like cancer is, you know, cancer treatment is a war. You go to battle. And by the time you're finished, I felt like this battered soldier that just was... Now it's like you have to learn to live normal life again. If you had died from cancer, would that have meant that you had lost your battle? Yes, for me, personally, yes. Absolutely. The way I always speak about, um, just because obviously my mum did did die from breast cancer, Mm. is I don't view it in that way. For me cancer was just it played it just played more unfairly in 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 the end but I don't think she fought any less than I have fought or you know so I don't feel like there was necessarily a losing of a battle I just think she cancer's just trickier just just trickier. Saskia you told us earlier that you tried to end your life after you'd come through treatment and your marriage had disintegrated and your business, you'd lost that. How did you come back from that? I feel like, you know, that when they when people talk about dark night of the soul, I always try and picture it as, you know, that place in the ocean millions of miles from anywhere. And at the very, very, very bottom, it's so black down there that no person's ever been down there. It's so deep and dark. And that's where I was at that bottom. But down there in that darkness, there's treasures that we can't see because it's so pitch black. There's, there's things down there that no one's seen before. And I think what I did was when I was at that bottom, I held on to those treasures. And when I came back to the surface, I brought that, those lessons and, and what I'd learned with me and it just profoundly changed me as a person. But how? If how, I, how did you come back from that? Practically, what did you do? I personally, I found I started exploring all things mind, body and spirit, whether that right. was yoga, um, meditation. I discovered a woman called Louise Hay. If people don't know about her, they should look her up because she 
she's one of the pioneers of the self-help movement um, about self-healing and self-love, self-acceptance. Um, I read her books and then I would, I just tried everything and anything and I fell in love with a spiritual way of life. And when I say spiritual, I don't mean religious. I have nothing against religion at all. But for me, it was just exploring the idea that there's a power out there, whether it's the universe, whatever it is, and that I can connect to it and I can learn to meditate and I can do all these things. And the more I did them, the happier I became. And then I was just hooked and I never looked back. That is so good to hear. Chevelle, I want to ask you, you you said you were diagnosed age 28. Uh, You talked about the effect having a mastectomy had on you. Also, you were plunged into the menopause before even your own mum. What did that do to your head? Oh my goodness. It was probably, it was something that I wasn't prepared for because I don't actually remember my health professional speaking to me about it. Um, to be honest with you, or maybe I just didn't soak it in or mm. I didn't know what it meant. Yeah. And honestly, I think it's something that's not spoken about, especially with um, younger women who aren't going, who, who who are not even on that road to menopause yet. And let's just explain was, how it happens then. Chemotherapy. I don't know if it happens in all cases. It certainly happened for me. Chemotherapy stops your periods. So you don't ovulate anymore. And it... Uh, often can lead to an early menopause not always but it can yeah and that's what happened to you Chevelle basically the I was getting hot sweats waking up in pools of of water and I mean at the time my boyfriend at the time I guess he probably didn't really understand either and it was being so close to someone and having these things happen I felt really embarrassed and I don't know why because it was part of my treatment you know things like um having sex extremely uncomfortable that's something that I mean we don't get told about it you kind of only experience it when you go to do it <laughs> um you know it was it was really such a horrendous thing and even now it's the anxiety even though my periods have returned have they it's still the, yeah thankfully. how long did that take yeah good question so for, for me my periods returned it about took about nine months about nine months and they are pretty regular but again I still do have the anxiety of if it's a bit late one month I'm like oh my goodness here we go have I, am, am I going into early menopause mm. for good now is, is this it for me at 30 years old so actually mm. you weren't plunged into the menopause if we're being strictly accurate you weren't plunged into the menopause because if you were you still wouldn't be having periods no it they it, stopped. it stopped your period they, stopped and they then stopped. they started. And then they started yeah, again yeah. after treatment, okay. um, nine months after treatment. Fine. So, so it's good. Ask, sorry, can I ask Chevelle a question? Sure. Because, I mean, it's something that I struggle with. With the mastectomy and, and, and the intimacy issues, do you find it hard navigating dating now and relationships now? Oh, my goodness. Extremely, because I actually I broke up with my partner. And then going... It's almost like, do I have to say to someone, hello, my name's Chevelle. Um, by the way, I had breast cancer, you know, two years ago. Um, I've got a breast that is not your average. And, you know, I might have some kind of psychological issues as well. Um, Apart just from that, I'm great fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, just don't want to date me. It sounds yeah. like a great it's like Tinder profile. It's exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah. the thing. It's like I, I'm on I'm on Bumble because I'm single, and it's like, am I supposed to put in the bio? I love walking my dog, <laughs> and I love going out in London, and I'm a breast cancer survivor. Or I've got heart shaped nipples. It's like when. <laughs> 
get that into the conversation. First date, seventh date, and also intimacy is painful. Mm. Yeah. So I, do, I am in the menopause. I've been in Me the menopause too. for 10 years. I, what am I, you know, I, sex is just really difficult. It's like, what do you do? Yeah. Whose yeah. is that dog? It's my mother's. That's all right. Don't say it like I'm that. I'm so sorry. Don't be daft. We love dogs. Your dog is shocked at hearing you talk about your sex life <laughs> and trying to date your mum's dog. I have secretly texted them to say, please, can you keep the dog quiet? But obviously they haven't read their messages. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. Do not worry. Quick question for all of you. Do you share what you've said in counselling with loved ones around you or keep it to yourself? Oh. Well, me, I'm a chatterbox now that I've, I'm in counselling for cancer. I come out and I'm like, guys, this is what I spoke to my counsellor about. <laughs> You've got to explore yourself. You should really go and get counselling, even if you haven't had the life-changing event. It's just good to really know who you are. And they look at me and they're like, whoa, <laughs> I think you're telling us a bit too much information there. But I, for me, it's great. I feel like it's healing. Speaking is healing. So totally yeah, agree. I'm a big advocate for therapy and I would, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not shy to say I'm in therapy and I've had therapy and all that stuff, but I don't necessarily share with everyone. Yeah. Mm. Like, I think it's that, that sacred hour to open. And if you get a good therapist uh, that has no judgment and you feel safe to just talk about everything, it's important. We've, we've got, you know, it's, I guess it's, you know, um, embracing the shadow side of us that, you know, sometimes you don't show to the world. So, and it's healing. Well, I'm actually a life coach now. So, I get people and I and I I love working with cancer survivors after treatment because I believe to feel is to heal. Same as Chevelle. It's mm. like if if you keep it in, it's gonna poison you. You need to talk about it to somebody, whether it's your friends or family, whether it's a fellow cancer survivor, whether it's a therapist or a coach, don't keep it bottled up. Yeah. That's a really good point that it doesn't have to be a therapist. I, I was talking to a psychologist last year about something else and they said to me, but you've never had professional therapy. Not in an accusing way, but in a kind of, you know, that's something that, you know, you maybe you haven't dealt with breast cancer in your head. Or I said, no, I've never had professional therapy, but I don't half talk to my husband and my kids and my best friends and they are my therapists, you know? Yeah. And she she did accept that, to be fair to her. Um there might be people listening to this who might be scared, might be frightened, might be thinking, okay, a, a diagnosis on its own is enough to cope with, never mind, you know, my head crumbling. What would you say to people? What piece of advice could you give to people based on your own experiences that might help them? I would say really just trust the journey and what does and, that mean well, Chevelle that sounds so, so Californian me, what it, does it mean it does <laughs> but do you know what it, it is it's for me is every day or every time I went for treatment you're not going to know what's going to happen to you so you cannot you shouldn't I should say worry about things that you don't know and that was kind of what got me through so I had I had uh 16 rounds of chemotherapy and I had it weekly and I thought, if every week I get up and I think about, oh no, is this going to happen to me this time? Or is that going to happen to me this time? But guess what? I had 16, round, 16, round la 16 rounds later and I'm still here. Mm. So I went through all of worrying. What's the point in worrying when it might never happen? Yeah. 
you know, take I know that sounds yeah, take exactly. It, it sounds so cliche, but honestly, mm. just try to kind of be in in your own safe place as well, and don't look at what happened to other people. That's another thing as well. It's kind of just trust your own within your own self how you feel, and speak to your your health professionals if yeah. you feel otherwise. You know, if you feel something's wrong, trust the medics who are treating you. Yeah, Carly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my biggest piece of advice would be that like you're you're exhausted after chemo. I, I had 16 rounds as well, and then I had a double mastectomy and a reconstruction with my own tummy tissue, lymph node removal. Whilst recovering from that, was back on immunotherapy, radiotherapy, and it was at that stage that I was just on the floor because I was healing internally, externally. Um, from the treatment, like everything, it was just coming at me in every direction. And so my, I think it was that I was exhausted. So my advice is like, don't just, it's hard because it feels like the love for the longest time ever, you've just had no energy, but it's like, don't fight that lack of energy at the end. You, that's when you really need to kind of go into your cocoon and really not make plans. And I just ended up when, um, I was having my radiotherapy, the three weeks, the team there, they saw me, I was just in such a state and they said, I don't want you to make any plans. And for the first time, probably in my life, I canceled plans and I was just like, no. And I, and I just went to radiotherapy, came home again and just did that for the three weeks. And I think that allowed me then to not, not really struggle yeah. as for as long as maybe I, I might have done if I just kept pushing and pushing. So it's to just to give give yourself time to heal. It's a lot. It's so, you know, it's a lot of treatment and it really takes its toll. And you and your sister being diagnosed five months apart, was it, it sounds weird to say it like this, but you know what I mean, I think, Carly, was it helpful that your sister was going through it or would... <laughs> Obviously, you, you wouldn't wish your sister to have breast cancer. We all know that. That goes no. without saying. But was it helpful or was or was it kind of annoying so, because she would have been there more for you and you would have been there more for her if only one of you had had the diagnosis? No, it was, you know, I, I've, I've kind of said and I'll always say, like having my older sister kind of walk the path just five months earlier and at this one stage we were on the exact same treatment, it helped me massively. I had never been on a chemo ward, even though my mum had cancer and died from it, until I went with my sister when she was diagnosed. Um, Had I not, and then gone for treatment, I can't even, you know, I can't imagine what that would have been like, because it wasn't my experience, but it just made everything less daunting for me. So I know, I I obviously wish she she didn't have cancer, regardless. Goes without saying. But she does, and it meant that together... We we've spoken every day, I think, of of our diagnosis and we we provide humor to one another. We can have those conversations that maybe we protect the other family from to a degree. You know, it's it's uh, it's it's like with anything, I think, find your tribe in this. Mm. And, it, and it's that support that I've got amazing friends. But if you've gone through cancer, it's just a different um, level of kind of. I just, I guess, Experience. connection, yeah. connection, support, yeah, connection. Yeah. Saskia, one piece of advice from you to people listening based on your own experiences. Don't beat yourself up. Um, we all have a tendency of beating ourselves up. I'm not, I've got to lose weight. I should be doing more. I'm, you know, we all have our own messages that we hear in our heads. But the thing is, is you're going through cancer or you've been through cancer, whatever it is in your place in the journey, don't you think it's time you stopped beating yourself up? 
it's enough. So if you are feeling tired, if you are feeling angry, if you are feeling frustrated, if you are feeling depressed or sad, allow yourself, give yourself permission. It's, there's nothing wrong with you. You're not broken. You've been through cancer. This is huge. Now is the time to just be really, really kind and loving and gentle with yourself, which most mm. of us have never done before. Really good point. Yeah. Um, Chevelle, will you stay goofy? What do you reckon? <laughs> Definitely. I think my, my <laughs> sense of humour has probably got even darker since having cancer because yeah. now I can say anything because I have cancer. So. <laughs> yeah, you can use the cancer card when it comes exactly. to saying daft things. Yeah. <laughs> and Saskia, do you think you've said goodbye forever to being superficial? Oh, yes. Well, look at bye this. bye superficial <laughs> <laughs> totally. um, right before you go you've been amazing by the way ladies thank you so much before you go oh, Chevelle you. your t-shirt I would like to describe it for people it looks to me that it's a white t-shirt on, and on each breast there is an, un, a half peeled banana what the it's heck it's a girl is... versus cancer t-shirt t- t- is amazing. it oh yeah. wow 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 that's brilliant oh that's superb <laughs> and Saskia Yes. Can we see your heart-shaped nipples? Yeah, so you girls ready? Yeah, we're going to react. Uh, I've, I've got no nipples at the minute, so this is okay, great. Okay. Well, then this is inspiration. Yeah. Oh, amazing. my God. <laughs> you look that is amazing. amazing. I've got to describe this. So those hearts are massive on your boobs. <laughs> I know, I and, know. And they are red, like actual I, hearts. Oh, yeah, I'm but, declaring that I love myself exactly the way I am, you know? This one's soft, this one is hard, yeah. and this one doesn't actually have a nipple. Oh, they look really God. good, though. That, yeah, they do. They look they great. They look amazing. They oh, do good with reconstruction God. now. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much, Saskia. Thank you very, very much. I hope you don't mind me asking. I got the impression you didn't mind me asking, with judging by the speed <laughs> no, in which I love you my boots. whipped your I just need to find a man that loves them as well. Hey, we're gonna, we've got a whole ex- separate episode where we're going to talk about sex lives and a whole other separate episode where we're going to talk about dating. So maybe we'll Amazing. invite you back. Uh, but listen, ladies, thank you very, very much, Carly, thank Saskia you so and Chevelle. You've been thank absolute you. legends. You really have. Um, and I want to say, if you can contact me at any time on Instagram or Twitter I'm at Vic Derbyshire if you want more information and support on anything to do with breast cancer please do go to the Future Dreams website and then came Breast Cancer is a 6 foot 6 and Factory Originals production Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity hopes you found this podcast helpful we fund awareness support and research if you would like to help us do more, please text We Care to 7500 to make a £5 donation or visit our website at futuredreams.org.uk forward slash donate. Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity will receive 100% of your donation. Text cost your donation plus one standard rate text message, UK only. Always get the bill payer's permission. We would like to contact you on your mobile phone with news and updates. If you would rather opt out, then please add no info to the end of your message. For example, we care, no info. Thank you again for listening.